as the little ones are going to little church. Uh, I want to start out this morning quite different, okay? I'm going to, in just a moment, not there yet, but it's going to be up there when I tell them to. There's going to be something put on the screen, and I want you to read it. Not say anything. Don't talk to your neighbor or anything like that. You just read it, and then I'll give you instructions from there. Okay? You got it? All right. All right. Put it on the screen. Can, yeah, I'll give it the background. Okay? Okay. Do we have any 16 percenters in here? Okay, those of you that are raising your hand right now, how many of you have seen that before? It's not original with me. Okay, you all can't say anything. You've already cheated. You've seen it before. <laughs> if you haven't seen it before, okay, do you see the mistake? Okay, somebody who see, says they see the mistake, what's the mistake? What? The two these. The alphabet is correct. 84% of people reading this will not find the the mistake. Ah, and the 84%ers just groaned. Yeah. Well, I use that. Take it on down. <laughs> because I want to confess my mistake. I know a lot of you thought, that I was perfect and I never, ever made a mistake. Now, why are you laughing at that? Last week, I did something. and I don't know if anybody caught it. I think I caught it as I was saying it, but I wasn't sure. And so I went back and listened to my sermon this week. And I don't know if anybody caught it or not, but you remember we were looking at some parables and we were referring to a quote that was in Matthew chapter 13 that referred us back to Psalm 78, verse 2, about parables. And I gave credit to David for writing that psalm, even though I mentioned that the psalm was written after the temple had been built. Do you see an error in that, theologically? <laughs> Uh, David didn't build the temple. His son Solomon built the temple. So how did he write it if, yeah. It just, it came out of my mouth, and I don't know why. But if you go, go back to Psalm 78, and it looks right up. If I would have just read more than Scripture, it, it tells us who wrote it. <laughs> it's, it's a mascal of Asaph. Asaph is the one who wrote that. So I want to confess my mistake, and say, please forgive me. And now you have even more reason to listen to me very, very close because I will make more mistakes. But I tell you what, anytime it's coming to the Word of God, I'm going to go back and I'm going to correct that. So, <clears throat> can I ask for your forgiveness? Well, I don't need your permission to ask, but will you forgive me? <laughs> Thank you, and I'll try to do better. But uh, again, boy, that just gnawed on me until Monday I could go back. And as soon as I got home, I pulled it up on the computer and I looked at that and I thought, oh, man, dumb 
me. But anyway, we're there. So, all right. Well, we have been together. And again, I just thank you for the music. Uh, I don't talk to the musicians. They don't know what I'm preaching on at this point. Uh, We're all still new in this interim time. But I'm always just amazed how God always puts the right music for the message as he brings everything together that we do in worship. And remember when we started out, as uh, I started with the interim pastor, I gave you the purpose. And answer the, the question strong. We've gone over it every week. And the stronger you get, then I'll quit reviewing this. But we have an authority. And who is the authority? God, Jesus. They're one and the same. They are part of the Trinity. All right? And we also have an assignment. What is our assignment as the church? The purpose of the church. What is our assignment? Make disciples. Baptize them once they become believers. And and teach them to observe. To practice. Not Not just get it in our heads. But practice it in our lifestyle. And our assurance is... He is always with us. And it's true because he loves us. And then that's what we've been talking about all the Sundays since then. And I'm going to continue in that vein. But I'm going to look at it once again from a whole different side. And then we're going to wrap up this love series next Sunday morning. And we're going to participate in sharing in the Lord's Supper. We're going to have a love feast as we remember him and what he has done for us and is doing for us. But today, I want us to continue on. Remember, we we started in this love thing, talking about how in Genesis 1 and 2, He created us, spoke everything into being until it came to mankind. And then He created us and He breathed life into us. And there was that beautiful love relationship. And then Adam and Eve blew it. They messed up. They were tempted. They yielded to the temptation. And that love relationship was broken on our side But God has never quit loving us. And then last week we looked at that a little bit deeper. And and we we looked back into Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 13 into the two parables where it's the parable of the treasure of, of great value, the hidden treasure, and also the pearl of great price. And the typical rendering of that is that mankind finds that which is is, is valuable and he or she is willing to give up everything in order to capture the beauty of that and bring it into their life. But I think another side of the interpretation of that is actually look at it from God's perspective in that because he is so madly in love with you and me and you are the hidden treasure, you are the valuable one, you are the pearl of great price that he gave up his all, sent his son to the earth to live a perfect life, to die an atoning death, and then the Father raised him from the dead in order to purchase you and to purchase me through what Christ did for us. And today I want to continue on again with a little bit different perspective on this amazing love that he has for us, and I pray that we'll wrap our lives around and give back to him in honor and in thanksgiving for what he has done for us. Let me set it up with a, with an illustration. Several decades ago, there was a, 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 a little town in northern Pennsylvania that they uh, came to the point where they needed a new city hall and fire department. And so they 
put the tax bill on the, on the record and they raised the taxes and they were able to build this beautiful city hall and fire station and it was the pride of the community. It looked awesome. And they moved into it and within about three or four weeks, someone began to notice that some of the doors were beginning to stick and they wouldn't fully shut well yet. They had to work at it. And then all of a sudden they noticed it's, it's Pennsylvania and they started raising some windows to let fresh air come in and the windows wouldn't open. And then one day they saw a crack beginning to appear down the side of one of the walls and the roof began to leak. And in a very short amount of time, they actually condemned the building and it couldn't be used. And they explored to find out what happened. We built this according to engineering and architectural design, but something is wrong. And they discovered decades and decades prior to that, the area was involved in long wall mining. And that's where you go deep down in the soil and run the shafts, and they pulled out tons and tons of coal. But they forgot about that. And all of a sudden, they built this beautiful building, and it had a good foundation, but there was not a substructure foundation. And the building began to collapse. And it reminds me that if you and I are ever going to be able to fulfill our assignment, we've got to build our life on the strong, strong foundation of the love of God. Love is the key issue. He has been madly in love with us even before He created us. And that has never stopped. And if we can fall back in love with Him, we can really get on with the process. Let me share with you a quote that I found in my study. Paul David Tripp, I don't know if you have read much of him. I'm quickly falling in love with him as a, as a writer. I was just introduced to him a few years ago, but I love his writing. He made this statement. There is no reality more radical and foundational to a biblical worldview and a personal sense of identity than this. God invaded our world in the person of Christ to demonstrate His love for us. We have no experience in our lives of this kind of love. All human love we've experienced has been flawed in some way, but not God. His love is perfect and perfectly steadfast. How true that is. And this morning I want us to look at the steadfast love of God so we can understand Him and we can also understand our response to this steadfast love. If you will, take your scriptures and turn to Psalm one hundred. And 36, a very familiar psalm to, to many folks along the way. 
Psalm 136. But I've also discovered as I've talked with folks, and I'm guilty of it myself, this is one of those unusual psalms where if you'll see it right here in the first verse, Psalm 136. It says, verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And as you read on through the psalm, at the end of every verse, it repeats that phrase, His steadfast love endures forever. 26 times. And what happens is we get to reading this, and we kind of get tired of reading. Okay, I've got it. I've heard about His steadfast love. Why do you keep repeating it? And in the process, sometimes we don't really read the verse, each one of the beginning of those verses, and we miss some truths about this God whose steadfast love endures forever. You never have to worry about it. It is always going to be there. He is madly in love with you. So, strap on your seatbelt. We're going to fly through Psalm 136 and then move to another psalm and cover it as well. But let's take a look at this God who has this steadfast love for us. Psalm 136. And if you look there in verses 2 and 3, it begins to tell us that our God is a unique God. It says that uh, God give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. He's different than anything else. He is the capital G. Everything else is a little g. He is the capital L, Lord. All the rest are little l, lords. And he is unique. He's different than you and I. We're different from him. He is unique. And that's why his steadfast love endures forever. When you look at verses 4 through 9, you see that one of his uniquenesses is that he is also the creator. Look at that. To him who alone does great wonders, to him who by understanding made the heavens, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night. As creator, his steadfast love endures forever. And then you go verses 10 through 16. And you see, not only is he a unique God as the creator, but he is the deliverer as well. Because he goes on to talk about the history of Israel. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it but overthrew, overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea to him who led his people through the wilderness. Do you see how he is the deliverer? Delivered them out of bondage in Egypt and took care of them and delivered them even through the wilderness wanderings. And his love just remains absolutely the same without change. He is madly, madly in love with us. And then verses 17 through 22. He is also the establisher and sustainer for us. 
verse 17, it says, To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. He has established Israel as a nation, and he has provided for them. He has sustained them, and even to this day, Israel remains. But one last thing here in verses 23 through 25, you see that he is the provider. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. Now, I know what the psalmist is, is talking about, the nation of Israel, but how true this is for us as well. He has remembered us in our lowest state and rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. He provides. The air that you're breathing, that you're not even thinking about right now, it's a gift from God. This is an awesome, awesome God who is madly in love with me. Wow. And you, double wow. And with us, wow without end. And then the psalmist ends this chapter, this psalm saying this, give thanks God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. After the psalmist paints this wonderful picture of who God is as best as he can recounting the history of the nation of Israel he says our response is to give thanks. And that's the second psalm I want us to look at and spend a little bit more time. Turn back over to Psalm 118. You can keep your finger in Psalm 136. I'm going to refer back to it for just one brief thing. But if you look at the beginning of Psalm 118, it is the exact same wording with one exception. Uh, when when he was writing... Uh, Psalm 118, he puts the word, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. That's the only difference, is the oh. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. But then he goes and says, Now let me tell you what your response is. David said, I know I wrote over in 136 that our response is to give thanks. But let me expound on that a little bit, he says. And let's begin to look at Psalm 118. And we see that it's broken down in several sections as well about giving thanks. And if you look at verses 2, 3, and 4, it talks about that everybody needs to praise God because of this steadfast love. Look what it says. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let Aaron, the house of Aaron, say his steadfast love endures forever. 
Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Now when you look at those verses, it begins to capture groups of people. He says, first of all, let Israel say, Israel, the nation, you need to give thanks and praise to the Father as a nation. And I'm telling you, and I'm reminding me, we as the United States, we need to give thanks to God for what He has done for us. He has blessed this nation. By the way, He's not American. And anybody that tries to make God American, shame on you, because He's not American. He desires that all nations come together and all nations of believers will come together and worship Him and praise Him, hopefully here, but for sure in heaven. But He speaks to the nation. And the Scripture even tells us it's a wise thing when a nation declares that God is in charge of that nation. That's a smart thing to do. And if you look back at our founding fathers, they recognized that. And our current culture is trying to draw us away from that. But the Word of God takes us back to say, nation, the United States, Israel, every other nation, you ought to give praise to God because His steadfast love endures forever. And then he goes to the house of Aaron. He said, by the way, those of you that are religious leaders, you need to be laid in the forefront. You need to be reminding people, that's what I'm doing today. I'm trying to do my best to follow this psalm and say, listen, the house of Aaron talks about the spiritual leaders of that group of folks. And we ought to be taking that time. I got up this morning early, uh, and I praised him this morning, and I gave him thanks, which is my common custom every day to get up and just give thanks ever so brief ever so long everything in between doesn't make any difference but I want to praise him and I want to challenge you to praise him and then he wraps this concept up with saying and then let those who fear the Lord or in other words all of us everybody if you don't fear the Lord it's because you don't understand him even in the finiteness of your mind. Now, by the way, fear here, if you go back and look at the original language, it's not that I'm afraid he's going to grab me, I'm afraid he's going to throw me off the cliff, and I'm afraid he's going to... No. Fear means to be awesome respect for him because you recognize he is that unique God. He is that creator. He is that establisher. He is that sustainer. He is that provider. He is unique, and he is worthy of reverence and awe and praise. And so that's what we do. We give thanks for His steadfast love enduring forever because of who He is. And that's what Psalm 136 was all about. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on in verses 7, excuse me, 5 through 9. We've already talked about how everybody is to give praise. And in these verses... It talks about giving praise in times of distress. Now, that's probably not high on everybody's radar, okay? Distress is coming on me. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to take a moment here and praise God. You know, we're ducking and hiding and running. But look what it says. Out of my distress, I called 
Lord. Out of my distress, I called on the name of the Lord. And the Lord answered me and set me free. Set me free. We sang about that this morning. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Lord is on my side and my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. So when you find yourself in a distressful situation, give praise to Him. Don't put your trust in man. Don't put your trust in nations. For sure, don't put your trust in me. I'll give the wrong authorship to a psalm. You know, you got to watch me. Put your trust in God in the midst of the distress. And then he takes it a step farther in verses 10 through 13 where he talks about even when you're surrounded by opposition. Listen to what he says. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me. Surrounded me on every side. And in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. And in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I cut them off. I was pushed hard. So that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. And therefore, I give Him praise. Even when I'm surrounded. And they're coming after me. And people will do that. We give praise to the Lord. And then in verse 14 to 18, it talks about that we praise Him as He delivers us. See? We've been in this distress. We've been surrounded. And now we talk about how He has rescued us. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. He has delivered me. And the discipline of the Lord is a mark that shows that you do belong to him. Hebrews talks about that. And if you don't receive discipline from the Lord, you better check your birth certificate. Because you've got a problem. You're not really a blood-purchased believer. You don't have the shed blood of Jesus covering your sins if there is no discipline from the Lord. And the psalmist says that with that discipline, he is in the delivery mode. He is making us and shaping us into what we need to be so that we can give Him praise. And then we get toward the end of the chapter, 
And it says in verses 19 through 23 that we need to praise the Lord when we gather together as believers. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in my eyes. So what we've been doing here in worship all morning is exactly what the psalmist says we ought to be doing. Getting together to praise Him and to thank Him for who He is and what He is doing. It is right. It is very, very right. And then I love how the psalmist begins to wrap up this chapter. And he says, let me just get just bone point honest with you. You ought to praise Him all the time, no matter what's happening. Look at what he says in verse 24 and following. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm sure that was the first thing that popped into your mind when the alarm went off this morning, right? It should be. Save us, we pray, O Lord. Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords upon the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will will extol you. I'll give you the highest of praise. And then he ends the chapter just like he started it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Do you understand how much He loves you? And what He desires from us is that we not only acknowledge it, but we accept that love. So what's the bottom line? What's the bottom line? Remember the fire station in northern Pennsylvania? Looked good on the outside, but there was a problem of support underneath it. And what I fear many of us is we look good on the outside, we smile, we come to church. How's it going? It's going great. Even though you fought all the way to church. How's life treating you? Couldn't be better. 
And yet when you get to yourself, you complain to God. God, why, why are you letting this distress happen to me? What, what's going on, God? Why are you disciplining me? And too often, we don't praise and thank because we're too busy just looking at us on what we want, what I want about life. And there is power in prayer and power in praise. And what I've learned in my own life is because I have a relationship with Him, sometimes I just need to step up and do what the Scripture tells me to do and then let my emotions catch up with it later. I will praise Him. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. God, I am going to do this because I know it's right. And even though my body aches and I don't feel good right now, Boy, I keep thinking about that and all of a sudden, you know, I don't feel as bad and my body doesn't ache as much and all of a sudden my focus is not on me, but it's on Him and it is better. Stress has come. Life is tough. But give thanks to the Lord because He loves us and He never leaves us. But here's the real point. That's for the people of God. And my question is, do you know Him? Have you entered into relationship with Him? As we talked about last week, Jesus is the one who saves us. It is His shed blood that covers our sin and makes it possible for us to come into relationship with Him. And that's where it starts. Do you know, if you were to die today, that you would spend eternity with Him because you have come into this love relationship with Him through what Christ did for you? Have you come into a body of believers? Are you part of His church? It's important. The church was, was founded by God and established by Jesus Christ and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And He wants you to be part of His church. And He wants you to dig into His Word and, and, and learn more about Him. And so my invitation to you this morning is, if you don't know Him, that today you would come to know Him personally. And in just a moment, we're going to give you that opportunity. And the elders and, and Jeremy will be down here in order to talk to you about that. If you've got a question on how that happens... We're also going to give you the invitation to, to join this church, to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, to become part of this wonderful fellowship of believers. And it could be that you also want to come and say, I just want to re recommit my life to getting into His Word and to teaching others His Word in my lifestyle and in my verbiage. Where are you? Do you have that super strong foundation of Jesus' love, of the Father's love, for His love endures forever. And I want you to experience that. Let's pray. Father, today, would You do what only You can do? Would You show us who we really are? And if we're here today and we look good on the outside, but on the inside, we're still empty. And we need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Show us. If we need to be obedient and follow the Lord in believers' baptism, show us. 
if we need to unite with this church, show us. If you want us to rededicate our lives to be more about who you want us to be, not in in order to earn our salvation, but because we have been saved, show us, Lord. And in our quietness, in our heart, help us to know how we are to respond to your invitation. And I pray this in Christ's name.